Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you recently handled a case where one brother was suing his two brothers, your clients. What happened? Well, Dennis, the two brothers struggled but succeeded to build three restaurants. But when the third brother returned from being out of the country for 20 years, he sued to get one-third of their business. He claimed an oral deal between them because he had once worked as a cook for them. So what did you do? Well, during trial, we got him to acknowledge certain key dates and to his complete lack of documentation. So when his side rested, we asked the court for what's called a directed verdict, a motion that gets rid of a case after fatal facts come out during trial. And the court agreed, shooting down all but one of the brothers' causes of action. And we settled that one for a very small amount and excused the jury. And justice was done. My friends, you know that I trust Barack Lurie with my own business and other legalities. So to make sure a deal is done right, call him for your own legal issues. At 866-575-8111, that's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Park, 866-575-8111. not only a good friend, but my law partner in Lurie & Associates, and it's a pleasure to have her on board, and she was so kind as to uh, find a news feed uh, that uh, has some challenges to, uh, I suppose, to conservatives, but basically saying 14 facts about the Obama presidency that most people don't know. So maybe they're, they're presenting it to most people as opposed to conservatives. That's fine. And... Um, Amanda thought it'd be kind of fun to, to discuss this. Uh, her political leanings, I would say uh, moderate, would we say that, or leaning left? What, leaning, what? I would say leaning Le- left. Leaning left, okay. Because uh, we've had many a discussion, and uh, I think that's a fair description from the way you, the way are, you know, way we've bantered about in the past. Yes. So we're delighted to have you on board. And um, so here's what we've decided to do, because uh, there's so many topics to discuss. But we thought, it, we, thro- we thought we'd try something slightly different here. So, as the title suggests, here's an article. Uh, where was it from, Amanda? Do you know? I believe it's from the Huffington Post. Oh, that's right. All right, Huffington Post. 14 facts about the Obama presidency that most people just don't know. And what we've decided to do is have Amanda read the um, su- supposed facts and that we will respond to them. And mind you, folks, and here's the extra challenge. We have not read... Uh, except for the first one because it was interesting. But after that, we did not read any single one of these 14 uh, alleged facts. And so, Amanda, go ahead and read them, and we will address them uh, in response. Okay. First one. Number one, we've now had 63 straight months of economic expansion. Okay. So, first of all, um, this means a whole lot of nothing because, uh, and this one is the one that I saw before. Uh, that, that means a whole lot of nothing. That's almost like saying, look, um, you're, you're in a marathon, and you load up that person with uh, anvils and, uh, and maybe a couple of kids on his back, and then say, okay, go, start walking. Yeah, he can walk. You know, he might be able to walk, uh, but, you know, you say he's moving forward. That doesn't mean that it's a good way to go, right? Perhaps you, you release the anvils. Perhaps you don't have the kids on his back. 
and you let them go in a straight line without being encumbered, then you actually get an, a real expansion, a real move, movement forward. So, so the whole framing of it is wrong. It, an expansion means it, it means it means nothing. I mean, growing 0.1 percent a year is an expansion. Okay, but you wouldn't call that a good expansion. A good expansion, I think, is what about four percent, three point five to four point five percent. That's a reasonable expansion for America, at least. And beyond that, so much the better. But we are having an expansion, but a very anemic one. And we should be exploding out of the gate after a recession like the one we did. Uh, but nothing like that is, is of the case. So, um, and then then they also, of course, confuse um, cause and effect again, as they always do, which is to say. Well, you know, here's an expansion, and Obama was presiding over the expansion. Therefore, Obama created the expansion. Okay, well, again, like I said, he put a bunch of animals on these people, and then, and then they went forward, and then they said, you see, we're moving forward. It's, it's, it's a pretty bad argument. Next question. Next one. Two, we are currently enjoying the longest period of private sector job creation in American history. Okay, uh, I'm sorry. Private sector creation in history. Job creation. All right, I, I can deal with that, yeah. First of all, um, when you're coming out of that recession where the unemployment was so bad, um, that that's not saying that much, first of all. So take that from for what it's worth. Um, that's almost like saying, you know, uh, there were so many great inventions invented, uh, you know, after the wheel. I mean, okay. You know, but it wasn't a good starting point in the first place. Um, the unemployment... And the fact that there was some job creation, yes, there is. But, but again, it's the anvils. We should have so much more employment. What it also fails to do, however, is that it fails to distinguish between the unemployment rate and the employment rate. You're probably now, that. Yeah, the unemployment rate. Oh, you're, you're saying that there's another question to that effect. Okay, yeah, great. So maybe that'll answer that question as well. The unemployment rate, which is, I think, at 5.9%, supposedly, um, and that's a rate that's a false measure because it does not include those people have, who have decided not to seek work anymore. And that, that completely distorts the picture, doesn't it? And when you, I mean, and, and it's never been before like this. They've, they've actually changed the definition of what the unemployment rate means. So, so now it falsely suggests that it's, it's at a decent range, 5.9. Um, and, and at 5.9, we should be zooming uh, in the uh, in the economy, and nowhere close to that, of course. Um, what re really does matter is the employment rate, and the employment rate uh, is at the lowest rate it's been in 36 years. That's right, 36 years. So that's we're talking Jimmy Carter time, 1978. Um, so I, I I don't know that that the whole measure that doesn't make any sense at all. You pretty much responded to the next one, number three, which is unemployment has dropped from 10.1% in October of 2009 to 5.9% and projected to reach 5.4% by the summer of 2015. Right. Yeah, I think I did, I did uh, respond to that. But just an additional point to that is, yet, yet again, another cause and effect problem is to suggest that because this is happening, uh, that somehow Obama is responsible for it. No, the unemployment rate, to the extent that it, that it did go down, um, is, went down in spite of Obama's policies, not because of it. It's just, I mean, it's, it's like saying, you know, sunsets cause traffic. Or traffic cause sunsets, even better yet. They're correlated, but one doesn't cause the other. All right, 
Next question, please. Number four. The stock market continues to set new records since President Obama has been in office. Uh, my good friend Ari wants to handle this one. Well, um, the stock market is not the economy. So often the two are conflated, but they're not. The, the stock market uh, going up indicates is basically three areas. How the administration's appointees have handled interest rates, how the administration's appointees have handled the printing of money available for the large corporations that are friends and contributors to the people in power, and number three, how good or bad investment opportunities are around the world. So while the stock market has gone up, the only piece of real good news in all that is that investment opportunities for both large and small investors around the world are worse investment opportunities than domestic ones in the U.S. stock market. But it's of no indication of the overall health of the economy. And I would contend, Brock and I have talked about this many times, that the stock market is doing paltry compared to what it should be doing if the unemployment rate was at 25 to 3%, like it was under Bush after 9-11, if interest rates were allowed to move naturally so that you can make some money on um, your uh, your savings so you didn't only have to put your money in risky stock market speculative right. investments and the fact that based on the, the the curve of the technology boom that we're on the amount of innovation that's happening in the in the modern age is so staggering stock markets should inevitably and always be going up no matter who's in power yeah, it should be much higher the same way question number one and number 2.5 addressed both the economy yes should always be expanding the question is how much is it slowed down or how much is it accelerating based on the uh, laissez-faire attitude of a good administration versus the burdensome yeah. regulatory state of a bad administration. That's exactly right. I think I nailed it's, that one. Yeah, I think you did too. There's something called TINA, which is there is no alternative, right? The acronym for there is no alternative. And that applies to the stock market. And, and Ari did say that. Um, that's, that's all you're seeing. So to whatever extent there's a, there's a growth in the stock market, it's because there's really very little else that you can do. So people plow their money into the stock market, which has somewhat paltry returns, but it does have returns. Uh, it's a little bit like um, this, you know, all the restaurants uh, along Wilshire Boulevard that we can see, our little area that we often frequent, uh, Amanda, that there's only one restaurant left, okay? Well, guess what? That restaurant will do pretty well, <laughs> right? And you can say, look, if you just took a picture of that restaurant and you see it full all the time, you would say, looks like the economy is doing pretty well here, sir. But of course, it, it uh, betrays what's really going on. And I think there's one other quick note to add to the end of it, which is our uh, friends on the other political side than us always talk about the concept of sustainability. And, you know, this is unsustainable, that's unsustainable, we have to change our ways, etc., regarding a whole host of issues. Uh, as conservatives, we can see that the stock market is in an unsustainable place. You cannot keep zero or negative interest rates in place forever. You cannot keep printing money forever without diluting the value of each dollar once the uh, velocity of that money starts moving throughout the economy. Yeah. Thus, the stock market is going to bust and bust hard sooner or later, probably at the point where small investors get confident enough to invest in it to ride on the coattails of large investors. And at that point, what kind of catastrophe will you have? Well, Ari and I definitely agree about this, and we have had many predictions on this podcast, and they've all come true. 
So uh, unfortunately, I have to agree that, that there's going to happen. That so that's, we're due that's for a happen. crash. We're, we're due for a very big correction. October 2015 is my prediction, but it could happen any second. It could happen. Yeah, it's, it's a very volatile market. Let's go to the next one. Next one, number five. The federal budget deficit is shrinking. It's been reduced by two-thirds since 2009. Do you want some ice for that one? As yeah, that, I'm that sorry. I am a little bit yeah. upset. I mean, it's just not true. It's just not true at all. The 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 budget deficit. I mean, you know, the deficit is defined as as uh, what you take in versus what you're paying out. I mean, per it, year. Per year, exactly right. right. So that it, it, yeah, per year is is it misstates the, the the facts on the ground, so to speak, because we are overall spending f way too much than we actually take in. And uh, that's a big problem. I mean, it's the same argument as the trade deficit. People just don't seem to understand that trade deficit means nothing. But and it's I, also related to the printing of money because one of the strategies the Obama people uh, yes. have, have taken on is that, oh, we can reduce the debt and the deficits through the inflation and the devaluation of each dollar of currency in the economy. Who does that hurt? Middle class, small investors with most of their money in yeah, savings. Yeah, we, we won't even have to talk about that because I, I agree. But let's let's focus on the actual statement itself, uh, the deficit, and and Ari's point is a good one, which is they've inflated it away, so it's it's just bad for everyone involved. Anyway, it's, it's such a misnomer. Go ahead. Number six. Uh -huh. Under President Obama, spending has increased only 1.4 percent annually the lowest rate since Eisenhower was president. Okay, you want to take that just, on? That's just a flat out it's lie. A, it's, it's just it's a complete out. lie. 1.6 trillion Obamacare, 900 billion stimulus, 700 trillion TARP, which by the way was partially done under Bush, but Obama's people, many of whom were in the government before him, uh, had huge hands in that. The amount of spending since January of 2009 to March 2009 as a starting point for his administration is the most money spent by any person in the history of the world. That's right. He, he has outspent during his administration in the first three or four years, I think it was. He had spent more than the Reagan, Bush, actually every single president since either Lincoln or since Washington perhaps, uh, all combined. All 40, so, yeah, so, three so presidents how, before. How they could say that somehow he spent less than them is truly a mystery. You know, the facts, you know, this is just dollars and cents. Next question, please. Number seven. For 95% of American taxpayers, income taxes are lower now than just about any time in the previous 50 years. Okay. Uh, I, that one's actually true because they're making less money now no, I, and many aren't working. Say. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 like all those unemployed people right. who refuse. They're not paying taxes, which is great for them. I mean, I, what what a burden it would be to not make any money and also pay taxes. But that's the way it works. Uh, at least it still works that way. Is that you don't pay taxes when you don't make any money. So bravo, good point. I would I would say that the supporters of Obama should never have put that on the list because what that basically says is the economy is so much in the toilet, people aren't paying as much taxes as they were. Right. Yeah, because so they're, pay, they're paying less in taxes, but what they don't say is they're paying uh, a, a lower tax rate. Yes. And that they could not say with a straight face. Next question. Can I just follow up with what they say on this section? Oh, okay. That's yeah, fine. go ahead. In fact, the only people whose income taxes have gone up during Obama's presidency are those making 400000 per year or more. That's less than 2% of the population. Today, for the vast majority of people, tax rates are exactly where they were when Obama first took office, oh, just, or lower. Yeah, and they make, of course, no mention of Obamacare in that, because right. Obamacare hurts people who 
are not making 400000 or more a year, it's obviously. Again, it, de it depends on what you call the tax, right? I mean, Obamacare, they, wh however they take it from you, however they, wh wh whatever program they take your money out of your pocket, it doesn't matter. Your, your wallet doesn't know the difference, right? Right. So um, oh. you know, at the end of the year, you count all your money <laughs> with all the, 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 the government sources that you have to pay, whether that's property taxes, local taxes, equipment tax here in Los Angeles, which is a crazy tax, uh, FICA, all, all those crazy things, payroll taxes, um, and then, of course, the state taxes and uh, Obamacare taxes, because they are taxes. And, and I'm... Wait, wait, wait. wait. Yes, go ahead. You add them all up, and you say, okay, this is how much I have left. Ask the ordinary citizen how much he has left, and he'll say, I have a lot less. And uh, a very simple question to ask is the Ronald Reagan question. Are you better off today than you were four years ago? And, no, and most people say no. Yeah, and as far as Obamacare, I it, it might not be official, but I count premium increases in the private insurance market that have kicked in after Obamacare's implementation last year as part of the Obamacare tax. Those were not premiums you paid before the program went full throttle, and you're now hit with those. Right. So even though those aren't technically going to the IRS or the uh, you know franchise tax right. board, they're part of the package of well, taxes. Like I, like I said... Your wallet, your wallet doesn't know the difference. Yes. Go ahead. Let's uh, hit number eight, I think we're on. Eight. Mm -hmm. Our dependence on foreign oil has shrunk due to record domestic oil production and improved fuel efficiency standards. That part is actually correct. But what they but. want you to, to think is that Obama was the one who created it, that he encouraged this. It's no thanks to Obama that all those things are true. Um, it's in spite of Obama. He was the one who wanted to ban offshore drilling and successfully did ban offshore drilling. He's the one who stopped the Keystone Pipeline and successfully did stop the Keystone Pipeline. Uh, the, the madness about this is just so compelling. What happened instead is that the fracking and all the other you know, discoveries of natural gas, um, it was such a huge wave. I, I think we increased 50% our reserves in the past five years alone. 50%. That's, I mean, 10% would have been amazing. 50%. And by reserves, you mean known oil in the ground available to be extracted at any right. time. Yeah. So, so it's, this is a little bit like when, when uh, Bill Clinton took credit for welfare reform after welfare reform became such a success, having fought it you know, tooth and nail. But, but Obama, I, I don't know that he's actually taking credit for it. I know Huffington Post wants to, to make that correlation. But no, no, ma'am, uh, this is, a, uh, again, another cause and effect problem. And there's one other point to it that's devastating for Obama, which is this. We're using so much less oil now because of all, again, those unemployed people who aren't driving to work every day. Right. It, it, one of the things that you can thank Obama for in the same context is, well, traffic in Los Angeles has gotten so much better since 2009. Yeah. Right. Because no one has a job anymore, so the freeways are empty. Well, the, the question is actually about how it has more manufacturing and more discovery of oil and such like that. So that's the direct question, and, and I think we answered that pretty well. Yeah, solid. but I think the, the, uh, the context also had to do with the price of oil, the availability of oil. And if people aren't using it and the supply gets bigger, the price goes down. Oh, So it's like saying, hey, thanks. Obama did all he could to bring the price of oil down. Well... Yeah. Not really. No, he, he just—he was the presiding president at a time. Right. Let's go ahead with number nine. Number nine. At least seven million more Americans now have health insurance than before. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I'll right. clear the deck for you on that. Right. I'll let you supplement. 
First of all, seven million. Okay, so seven. First of all, remember it was eight million at some point. Only it was supposed to be, and I think a couple of months ago, and they, or April or May, they bragged about how it was eight million uh, signups, right? Just to be fair, that it says depending on whose numbers you use, between seven and ten million Americans acquired health insurance due to the Affordable Care Act. Well, I'm just going to use the Obama so numbers just, that he himself okay. touted, and and they had a little celebration. Eight million people, isn't this great? Okay. Putting aside the fact that it just recently, they, they now have to go six million. Like, whoa, 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 this is going the wrong direction, isn't it? I thought we would say, I, I thought we would be laughing if it was like 8.2 million, because that, that would show a very small, paltry increase. But it's actually going backwards. <laughs> now, how is that possible, you ask? I'll tell you, because it required actual premium payments. And after a certain point, they fall off the system. If you're not paying the premiums, you are no longer a policyholder. And so it went down to $6 million. Regardless, I mean, it's, it's stagnant at $8 million. Okay, so let's use that number, $8 million. There are 320 million Americans. Okay? This is supposed to, the whole thing was supposed to resolve the huge problem for all Americans because there were some 40 million Americans who were not insured. And now it, they're celebrating because there are $8 million. Or now six million? Eight million who got insurance. Who got the insurance, right. So, and what's the percentage of that? It's, uh, you know, three, 320 million divided, or sorry, eight it's, over uh, 320. Like yeah, something like that. So, I mean, that's embarrassing. So, they're, not even the Obama administration is touting this. I understand Huffington Post is trying to, but the Obama administration and not one senator, not one congressman who voted for it is saying, I'm sure glad that I voted for it. Look at a great success this is. No, ma'am. And then they're leaving out. The remember that statement says oh, no, it, it, X number of people have got health care. It doesn't mention how many lost their health care. Yeah, and then that's true. Then the way they that's talk really about true. this issue be so many people got their policies canceled and all that other stuff. Going back to the you can keep your plan, you can keep your doctor period statement. All those people who lost their doctors because of doctors no longer participating in the plans, and that. Exposes the lie that health insurance is not medical care or medical services. Right. So the question really should be: How many vis-a-vis were didn't have or had medical care before this? How many got it or lost it after? And the yeah. number who've lost it is far higher than the number who've gained it. Yeah, it's a little bit like saying, looking at a company and saying, "Wow, this company's doing so well. It made ten million dollars in revenues this past year." Whoa, you say? Uh, of course, then you forget the fact that it's actually spent. 12 million, <laughs> and you would say maybe not such a good business at the end of the day. So it's something akin to that. Let's move on because I do want to uh, move along with the, uh, the next one. Okay, number 10. The Affordable Care Act has added years to the life of Medicare. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I, I don't even know how to say to respond to that because Medicare itself is supposed to fund uh, the Obamacare. So how, how that can actually be said is, is a mystery to me. Do they, do they go into detail about that? So the Medicare, again, again, we have not read these questions. The Medicare Trust Fund had been on course to run out of money by the end of 2016, but due to cost savings from the Affordable Care Act and lower health care expenses, Medicare's trust fund is now stable until the year 2030 without cutting benefits. Okay, well, it's interesting how they say that cost savings. I mean, they, they don't have any articulation or detail about what those cost savings are. I mean, it... it, it it, it's a it's a quip statement that is apparently without any support at all, and it, it's got the direction of money, the flow of money, the wrong way as well. So, I don't know how 
Obamacare can save Medicare when Obamacare had to steal money, $720 billion. Or yeah, I, I thought from, it was $500 billion, but you're right, $720 billion, billion dollars out of Medicare. Out of Medicare to fund Obamacare. So how is that saving Medicare unless you completely redefine Medicare? So that's another story. Let's let's because it, it's just not backed up. Yeah, um, well, actually, there is one thing: death panels. Remember the whole idea of being denied services because you um, know take the pill for your pain rather than cure the cancer through the surgery kind of philosophy. So that might be the explanation for what makes that possibly true. Okay. All right. Next. Eleven. Question. Since passage of the Affordable Care Act, we are seeing the slowest rate of increase in health care costs since 1960. Slowest rate of increase in costs. Could I try that one? Yeah, I, I do. I understand what they're saying. I, I, you, see, you imagine this graph that's slowly, you know, kind of bending slightly downward, or not downward, but just less steeply up. Well, it's so simple. Yeah. The healthcare insurance premiums have skyrocketed so big time, people aren't seeing the doctors anymore. Right. So, of course, they're not spending money. Well, not, that's true. They're not spending the money on it. And then secondly... Um, what's, what's happening is that they're putting a total kibosh on the, the spending uh, as well because there's going to be all these uh, rules now and regulations that require, that require doctors uh, not to perform certain services and otherwise. So they're basically telling them you're not going to be able to charge this amount. But that's, of course, putting aside the, the problem that, that results from that, which is that doctors don't want to perform services anymore. I mean, it's all nice and well that Obamacare's services say you shall not, perform, you shall not charge more than X when it was, let's say, one and a half times X. But now, um, they're not even allowed to perform it. So the doctors won't be performing these things. Okay, next question, please. 12. We currently have fewer soldiers, sailors, and airmen in war zones than any time in over 10 years. And ISIS thanks them for it. <laughs> well, okay, this is a fact we can, uh, we can agree with. Um, uh, and they apparently think that's a good thing. Yeah, it's and totally I, true, and it's a terrible thing. And That's I think the it's problem. A terrible thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah, at least we 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 totally agree with that statement, and that's good. Yeah, that see we if the Yazidis and the Kurds and the Afghani countryside yeah. people are happy with right. that. We see that as a bad thing, and uh, liberals see that as a good thing. All right, let's move on. Thirteen. There have been zero successful attacks by Al Qaeda on U.S. soil since Obama became president. Uh, there was a beheading in Oklahoma City. There was a hatchet attack last week. There was uh, Nidal Hassan, a soldier of Allah, at Fort Hood in the workplace violence incident. That want me to keep going? Uh, yeah, this, <laughs> wait, wait, I mean, this is a long list. I don't, I don't know what that means very much at all. It's um, that the fact he's is he trying to suggest that somehow he's kept the country safer. Um, that somehow, because I, I don't see that. I, it's not as if he's actually saying, let's, let's spend all this money. Homeland Security is really tight. Uh, we've managed to keep everything at bay. I mean, and it doesn't, I mean, you juxtapose that against the immigration uh, open policy that we seem to have. Oh, hold on. I just remembered one. They said U.S. soil, right? Mm -hmm. U.S. soil. The consulate in Benghazi, since it was a diplomatic outpost, is U.S. soil. Is it not Barack? Yeah, that's right. So, Benghazi. Of course. No, Ambassador killed, three other men killed who were soldiers of fortune. A whole bunch of uh, staff had to be rescued. Yeah. They can do a lot the, more damage uh, on American, was in destroyed. American interests abroad because there are a lot more of the bad guys that are surrounding the good guys. And uh, so that's, you know, we, we took the fight to them, which was probably a smart idea, um, instead of letting the fight come to us. But it will come to us, and it's just getting worse and worse. So, 
Fourteen. Yeah, please go ahead. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Fourteen. We now successfully catch and deport more illegal immigrants than ever before. (laughs) I'll let let you feel it because I know you know this intimately. All right, go ahead. Uh, That's just a lie. They've they've stopped deporting people. They've opened the border and said, come on in. With Fast and Furious, they gave weapons to illegal alien and uh, Mexican mafia gang members who killed Americans, both on this side of the border and on the, the, the Mexican side. Yeah, of the I don't see how they can say that with a straight face. Um, I mean, it, just, just for the, those, the children that are you know, illegally coming across the country, they're, they're not deporting them back. They're not, I mean, this is 100,000 a year. It's, it's what the rate is going to be in 2014 by the end of this year. So uh, we're having an acceleration of immigration. Yeah, forget so deportations. It just got you know, released in the news the last few weeks that there's a flood of criminals who were illegal aliens who should have been deported after they served their time in U.S. prisons. And instead of deporting them, they just released them onto the street. Murderers, rapists. And they call that deportation, perhaps. Yeah. But also think about the, the, the numbers factor. So when they say we, we have the highest number of people released, well, what is that number a percentage of, right? So, for example, if there were only a, I'm exaggerating for purposes of making it easy. If we, if we deported only 20 people, in the year 2000, for example. Obviously, we deported more, but just for sake of discussion. But there were only 100 illegal aliens. Well, that's, that's a 20% you know, return rate, uh, deportation rate. However, if we have 10,000 or 100,000 and we deport you know, 30. 30, well, you could say that's more. But as a percentage, it's tiny. So uh, it's disingenuous. They're, they're playing with numbers here. Okay. All right, so I think we were able to easily refute these things, and, and a lot of them are just plain wrong. I mean, at least they certainly don't have any backup for it. You know, and this is, this is you know, our main theme in the Brucklery show, and I know the R.A. David show has the same thing, uh, and we talk about this on my Sunday show as well, is that it is impossible, yes, that's right, impossible to find a liberal policy that works. At least it's certainly... I mean, to God, be, we're trying. Yeah, we're really we, trying. We're, we're giving it the old college try every day. Particularly a liberal policy that the conservatives have opposed. Okay? So, but by definition, almost, if policy is defined as a liberal policy, it tends to be one that conservatives have opposed. But using that rubric, uh, I just can't think of one. And I, I've talked to my brother about this. I've talked to my, many, a lot of my liberal friends. And what they'll say is, well, what about Social Security? And uh, I think they throw out Medicare and, um, I don't know, the FDA, I suppose. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm reaching. National Parks, that's a famous one they National always throw parks, out. Yeah. But, but that assumes, first of all, that those are efficient at all and that they are working. I mean, first of all, Social Security is a Ponzi scheme. So that's not working. <laughs> if, if you say, uh, boy, my company's do, really doing great because it's spitting out, you know, 20% return, never mind that I'm using new investors to pay off old investors, uh, that's not a good system. That's not what you would call working. Yeah, didn't Bernie Madoff basically run the Social Security system and he's in jail <laughs> he, might as well, he might as well have. Right? Um, and and the, the parks. And, I mean, I, we're not going to go through the whole list, but we just can't find anything that is a liberal policy that conservatives have opposed that you can actually say work. And that's why we can, we can say with great degree of comfort that we can respond to any of these sight unseen and respond to it meaningfully. 
without any Wikipedia being it or uh, Googling it. Yeah. Just come up. And, and, and you know what's our major tool, our advantage that, that the liberals don't have? Well, he's pointing to his head as, as, as in brain. Uh, yeah, to some extent, but there are many very bright liberals. Many of them. I think Amanda's, well, she's, she's leaning to the left, but she's obviously very bright. And uh, my brother's, extre- I mean, he's definitely the brightest liberal I know. Uh, I know quite a few of them. But as a, as a whole, uh, and we're talking about liberal policy now, not liberals, because we're not, this is not about ad hominem attacks. It's about policies. As a whole, they require you to ignore history, right? And because our greatest weapon is to be able to say, well, how do you explain how wonderful capital, you know, if capitalism is so bad, for example, then how come it's the greatest source of all innovation and health and progress and wealth in the world that, that history has ever known? It can't be that bad, right? And we also have history on our side in connection with socialism and communism and any other ism out there. They've all failed, every single one of them. But if you don't know history, or as Ari likes to say, that uh, it's always year zero, you just forget the previous history, well then, you can just say, sounds nice, and just you know, repeat history yet again. It's a strange world we live in. There's also an interesting thing about this list, how it strikes me, which is the utter vapidness, the shallow as a birdbath level of issues that they choose to address. They never address the really important stuff. And I think one of the big questions that liberals never want to ask us as conservatives is, well, what do you guys think is important? And I immediately tell them, nuclear weapons in the hands of murderous dictators, North Korea and Iran, uh, the way women and children around the world in third world hellholes are treated because of the lack of freedom and the lack of people in the free world to speak up on their behalf, the overregulations and overburdensome taxes that keep people from of all races and all economic levels within the free world in America and Western Europe from attaining as much prosperity as they can uh, achieve. Those are the big issues to me. Not some little statistic here and there with how you parse it. I mean, uh, if the unemployment rate was 50%, I think the issue isn't what's the number added, and it is, but how much opportunity those not employed have to become employed at their own choice, and what kind of prosperity are those who are employed attaining? Not the, well, let's argue whether it's 3 or 8%, while the working people suffer under huge taxes yeah. and burns and regulations. Yeah. Those are the big issues. Those, those are the big issues. Well, you know, and, and Amanda, I'm, I'm curious, what what do you... Uh, she's shaking her head. I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> uh, is, there, is, is, is there any uh, answer to our 14 uh, responses uh, you know, when, when you've listened to us? Is there something that you feel very confident that we're wrong on? I'm not asking you to you know, to, to, to spit out, but perhaps you know a fact that we're just not savvy on. I wouldn't say a fact necessarily, but I think the numbers spin both ways depending upon who, what administration. Mm. Okay. All right. Uh, that's, uh, that's a fair comment. Um, I do think, you know, you, they always want to put the best light possible. I, I think that's a fair statement. Um, however, um, numbers... Um, it's hard to argue with the numbers of the past. Uh, when we're talking about the, the growth of the country, for example, between the years 1789, which is the Constitution, of course, and um, uh, n- until the 1930s, until basically until 1929, this country saw just obscenely fantastic growth. 
the, the, the progress, the inventions, it was just fantastic. And not only just in terms of the inventions, but also in terms of the, the betterment of people's lives, generally speaking. I mean, Ari likes to bring up a very good point, and I, I'm so thankful that he brought it up. I never thought of it this way. But the washing machine. Was it the washing machine? Yeah, the washing right. machine, the it, vacuum it completely, cleaner, and the refrigerator. Those three things completely opened up the doors to women's rights. It, it, it allowed them the ability to have more time to actually go out there. Seriously, it was a, a huge liberating thing. Now that you can just you can assign that credit to the to those particular inventions, great. But nevertheless, innovations has a has a way of opening up uh, greater ideas and more joy to everyone's lives. I mean, just just think about uh, the iPhone. Just I mean, only because it's in front of us right now. Think of the things that we can do and how we can, you know, Skype with our friends and our relatives from far away. Um, uh, just or the fact that we can fly far away. At, at ever cheaper prices. Or talk to anyone on the other side of the world instantaneously right now. Yeah. If they have a phone and we have a phone, right. rather than waiting months or years to know whether your loved one is still alive, safe, or we can create their And we can create social movements just through Twitter. I mean, so many incredible things happen. And these are facts on the ground. This is history. And when you put the kibosh on innovation, the free market, uh, then, then bad things happen. That's when things are anemic. And yet you could still look at, you know, from 19, the 1930s and on, you know, to the present day, it's a very, uh, there's growth, there are new inventions, so you can, you can point to a whole bunch of different things, but there's nothing like the explosion of growth um, in, from 1789 to 1929. And then we, you know, we have growth, but it, it was very clamped down growth. And a good example of that later Since growth, uh, a trajectory is, in 1903, the Wright brothers were the first people to ever leave the ground in an airplane that was steerable. In 1969, we landed on the moon. Where has our innovation from that point gone since 1969? That's a very disturbing answer when you think about it. Why aren't we walking around on Mars or exploring the outer planets of the solar system? Why hasn't there been massive innovation in the, the kind of technologies that, that people dream about in the science fiction realm after that, that should have been there. And the answer is so simple. Government, the waste of government and, and national resources on things that were counterproductive that took a huge number of people. This is the real the tragedy of like the welfare movement. The, the brain power of millions and millions of people not being utilized in productive ways, not by someone else choosing that productivity for them, but their own hopes and dreams not being able to enter the, the thought marketplace of ideas and innovation. It's, it's staggering how yeah. many people don't they have don't, that. They don't have it. Um, so you're right about, I mean, she's absolutely right. But that's politics you're talking about. We're not talking about all Republicans are wonderful and every Republican idea is wonderful. Of course not. There are many stupid bonehead Republican ideas. And, uh, and different Republicans have uh, done stupid things. I mean, George H.W. Bush, he raised taxes. Uh, I, there were, I think that a lot of things, even Ronald Reagan, he made mistakes about that. But that's a difference between the actions of a president versus conservative concept, the, the, the abstract, conservatism in the, in the abstract, capitalism in the abstract. Okay? Does the capitalism always achieve the best of all things? Does capitalism make mistakes? Does capitalism invent uh, things that, you know, you just got to figure out what's that all about? 
uh, the pet rock, for example. <laughs> okay, I remember that when I was a little kid. You know, people, okay, fine, they want to waste their money. Uh, capitalism also invents uh, pornography. It, it invents uh, TV that uh, is mindless, reality TV. Okay. Yeah, honey boo boo. But you know, so what? So what? Yeah. Right, that's the way it is. But that, I'll take that, and those, those kind of meaningless uh, things over the evils that socialism and particularly communism have wrought upon the world any day of the week. And we have the history to back that up. All right, folks. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for participating. You've been a great sport. I appreciate it. Uh, are you too? And uh, this has been the Baruch Lurie Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you real soon.